0: Grace be to you in peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Focus our attention on our Gospel lesson for today, according to Matthew chapter 4. It's it in your folder, or you might want you to follow along in your Bibles. Pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Shortly after Jesus' baptism, where it was made public that he was now beginning his ministry as the Messiah, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It was game on. Jesus was now going to be ministering publicly, publicly teaching and preaching and healing, doing all kinds of things that would Worked to destroy the devil's power. He knew his time was short, the devil did. It was a game on, right? Had a lot hanging on it. It was even greater than David versus Goliath, where the victor would win victory for his country, and the loser would have his whole country be enslaved. This was for all people of all time. Everyone who has ever been born. If Jesus were to give in to a single temptation, all of mankind would be subject to Satan for all eternity and suffer with him forever. It's time for Jesus to do battle, one on one, with Satan. Did you notice that that first temptation had to do with food? Isn't that kind of interesting? We heard from Genesis chapter 3 that that very first temptation also had to do with food. Adam and Eve could eat from any of the trees of the garden except for that one tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's all theirs. It's interesting, too, that God chose to test his people in the wilderness by letting them get hungry and then providing perfect food for them in the manna. He was wanting to test if they would trust him and his word. Both Adam and Eve and the Israelites failed to do that, didn't they? They failed to trust God's word. They made their hunger, their food, more important than God. Adam and Eve certainly weren't hungry, but they thought there was something they could gain by eating that forbidden fruit. Israel became hungry, and they complained, and God provided manna with them and tested them by saying, I'm just going to give you it one day at a time. Just trust me. But they gave to the temptation to hoard it against his command. And then later they complained that it was miserable, boring food. Now, Jesus, as our representative, as the second Adam, is faced with hunger, forty days of fasting, and the devil as he usually does, it's at your weakest point. Ooh, trusting God to provide our daily bread is still a point of weakness for all of us. We may give in to the temptation to hoard it or the things that we need to buy it, money. When We may give in to the temptation to gorge ourselves on it or to waste it or to complain about what we have. We often fail the test. We fall, fail to just work faithfully, trusting that God is going to provide for us. We fail to give him thanks and appreciate the daily bread that he does provide. We often make food and striving to earn our daily bread more important than God's word and promise. How did Jesus fare as our substitute who was hungry? Imagine, no food for 40 days. And that wasn't the only thing. Did you notice the challenge that the devil gave him? If you really are the Son of God, prove it. It's always a difficult temptation for us, isn't it? someone gives us a challenge we don't want to be seen as a chicken. We don't want to be seen as someone who's weak. So we take up a challenge even though we know it's not a good thing to do. What would be so bad, Jesus? God wouldn't want you to starve to death, would he? Didn't he give food to satisfy your hunger? Isn't that a blessing from God? So what would be so bad, Jesus, about using your power and turning those stones into bread? Jesus' fair? Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus quoted what he wanted the Israelites to learn when he allowed them to hunger and then provided that perfect food of manna for them in the wilderness. He wanted them to learn to trust him. Make his word the most important thing in their lives. He showed them, that he, Jesus showed that he intended to do the opposite of what Adam and Eve did. He was going to make God and his word and his promise more important than his gnawing hunger after 40 days. Game on. Round one. Jesus is victorious in our place putting God and his word above even his own hunger and his own physical needs. But the devil isn't easily defeated. He was ready with another temptation right away. Okay, Jesus, you want to quote scripture? Ah, I can do that too. I can quote scripture too, Jesus. What about this one? Doesn't the Father say, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So if you claim you want to follow every promise and every word of God, and that's what you're going to live by, take a dive off this top of the temple here, and nothing bad will happen to you. God promised. Let's see if he comes through. Satan sure lives up to his reputation as a deceiver, doesn't he? He's ever so skillful at taking the word of God and twisting it. God says, all your sins are already forgiven. Jesus paid for every single sin there ever has been or ever will be on the cross. So, hey, sin all you want. It's already paid for. Twist God's word. Satan says, God said, he's going to provide for your every need. So why work hard? sit back and let him provide. Satan says, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. So Satan says, don't ever say anything wrong. That would be unloving. And love your neighbor as yourself, that should mean, well, you can love whomever you want to love, right? God says, he gives his angels charge over you, keep you in all your ways. So Satan says, hey, you can be a reckless driver, you can ignore the weather, you can ignore the speed limit, and just trust that God's not going to let you crash. Often don't we fall for Satan's tricks and twisting of God's word, his deceptions and his half-truths. Adam and Eve did in the garden. they looked at the forbidden fruit, and they thought it would make them wise, it would make them like God. They would know good and evil. Well, when they ate, they knew good and evil, but that wasn't the good thing that the devil had made it out to be. It didn't really make them like God. It was making themselves God. It made them like Satan. So how did Jesus fare? Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. Jesus shows us how to resist these twisting of God's word that Satan brings against us. He, he shows us how to recognize it. we summarize that in a, in a principle of interpretation of the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. God does promise give his angels charge over us. That's in the scripture. But Jesus pointed out also in the scripture, it says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Purposely doing something that will try and make God keep his promise, putting yourself in danger. People responded to the Apostle Paul's wonderful preaching of the gospel saying, all your sins are already paid for in Jesus and Some of those people said, well, hey, that must mean we can sin all we want. The Apostle Paul responded, God forbid that you would think that way. Don't you know that the Bible also says in baptism you were united with Jesus in his death and you died to sin? How can you think about continuing in sin any longer? Bible does say God is love and we are to love our neighbor as ourself but scripture also says that one of the most loving things you can do is use the law and the gospel to point someone away from their sin and to Jesus. Amen. Jesus is continuing to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God not just picking and choosing. He is victorious for us when Satan tries to twist God's word and Jesus doesn't give in. Satan doesn't give up. So Jesus, you are the Son of God who has come to earth to be a king, right? You're the ruler. You've come to earth to establish the kingdom of God. I can make that real easy for you, Jesus. No trouble, no suffering, no beating, no persecution. You can avoid all those things and just bow down to me. And I'll convince all of the kings and rulers and leaders of the world to come and bow down to you. And to bring you all of their treasures. Isn't that what you came for? To have everybody bow down to you and serve you? And we might not think that that's a very strong temptation for Jesus until we look in the mirror ourselves. How often aren't we theologians of glory rather than theologians of the cross? How often don't we think that if we would just have the right program, if we would just not talk so much about God's commandments, maybe you saw a sign on the way up to church. Christianity without the scolding, right? Then our church would really grow. Then it would be glorious. That would work, right? We think that way. And wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't more people be saved? Or how many haven't been misled by the idea that if only we elected the right people to office and passed the right laws, then we could call our Christian our country a Christian country again? Don't you hear Satan behind those things saying, the end justifies the means? The way of establishing God's kingdom was the way of the cross, the way of suffering for Jesus. And the means that God has given to us to continue to establish his kingdom isn't through political power or by compromising his commands. <clears throat> The means that God has given us are the gospel in the word and the sacraments. It's through these that God, has, God works in hearts. Sometimes it doesn't seem to be working to us, right? Because we focus on the outside instead of the inside. We give up and lose patience. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you. His kingdom is not of this world. Success in his eyes isn't necessarily how big a building you have. Success in his eyes is measured by how many people are brought to trust in him as their savior. Laws can't ever do that. Laws can't create faith. Only the gospel can. Where there is faith, fruits of faith will follow. How did Jesus fare against this temptation to take the easy road out and let the end justify the means? Jesus said, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and the angels did come and minister to his needs. Jesus was victorious over these temptations, not just for himself but as our substitute. Of course, Satan wasn't completely finished tempting Jesus. He would continue to tempt him throughout his ministry, tempt him through the opposition of the religious leaders of his day, through cleverly devised questions that were devised to trap him in his word, through mocking and pain and suffering, through betrayal and being forsaken by his closest friends, suffering that's beyond our imagination. The writer of the Hebrews declares, he remained without sin. We have absolute proof that he, as the second Adam, resisted every temptation, fulfilled God's law perfectly for us. Just look ahead. Look ahead to Easter. He rose from the dead to declare his victory over sin, death, and Satan. He won the victory not for himself, but for you and for me. Game on. And in Jesus, game won. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.